0: This is the podcast of the German Historical Institute London, a research centre dedicated to supporting and connecting students and scholars from Britain and Germany. The podcast series presents current research in British, German, and European history, as well as colonial and global history. For more information on the German Historical Institute London, future events, the GHIL Library, studentships, and more podcast episodes, please visit our website at ghil.ac.uk.
1: In today's podcast interview, GHIL Research Fellow for Colonial and Global History, Miriam Brusius, and me, PR and Events Officer Kim Koenig, will speak to Carsten Janke about his research on the Hanseatic League and how and why we remember history. First, let me hand over to Miriam.
0: First of all, thank you very much for making time for us and for returning to the GHIL virtually for this little interview. Um, It's now been a while, I think it last June. You were here uh, to talk to us about the Hanseatic League as a national project. And you explained that the Hanseatic League is anchored in the general consciousness of Germans as the secret superpower, which sounds exciting and also a little dubious, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) So I wondered if you could tell anyone who's listening who hasn't listened to your lecture yet, which I really enjoyed, by the way, Um, A little bit more about the project and also the larger context from which it derived originally.
2: First of all, it is a pleasure to be invited again to the German Historical Institute, as it has been at that time in June on a warm, summer, sunny day in London. Um, If you're asking Germans about the Hanseatic League, you will get normally two or three standard answers. The first one is it's something about ships, and it's something about big ships powering the sea. Well, the next one is something about fat German merchants. And the third may be about pirates called Sturte, Becker and Lieke, Taylor. And in my project, I was asking myself, how does it come that the people are thinking in the same ways all the time? How does it come that people have an imagination about an institution normally not known to people, because it's not part of the wider German historical display or historical story? So what I could see here is that, in the course of the, uh, the 19th century, the Hanseatic League was first discovered and then used by different German historians. And they did this so in on the context of their time and their political environment. And by this, they used the Hanseatic League in a special, peculiar manner all the time.
0: I was really interested um, to see your CV because it says that you have a Venia Legendi, which is the certificate for teaching at a German university for medieval as well as modern history. And while working on two different time periods is a common trait, I think, in in many historians' careers, I think it's, it's less common to actually join the two time periods uh, exactly in the way that you have done so we would like to ask and learn a little bit more about how you came up with this research how you have the idea to join your medieval research interest with the modern history angle of, of your career
2: first of all the medieval historian at my university was not amused about me because in his opinion hanseatic history is not medieval history. So he was the strongest opponent against my compatibility to medieval history. And he was against getting me Vinnie uh, legendi in medieval history. It turned out I got it in the end, but um, I came to medieval history by my, my doctor father a long time ago, already in the end of the 1980s. And I was educated in this Hanseatic environment at the University of Kiel. We have had a long tradition there to talk and research about Hanseatic history. And it was this very strong nationalistic environment that formed my opinions. When you read my PhD, it's it's a classical German PhD in the old tradition. And then I came to Denmark. And as a foreigner in Denmark, I could see... Stop! They have a totally different opinion of these dogmas we, we have taught and uh, get learned in, in Germany at that time. And that started a process thinking about why do we know things? How do we know them? And I'm a huge fan of an Israeli researcher with, with the name Ciru Barbel. And he's, uh, he's one of, or two of his books are about how societies remember, why societies remember, and in which way they remember different points of, in history. And by combining this, I came to the point of, okay, that's not only interesting to say, what was the Hanseatic League in that time? It's, you can fill libraries about that, but we have to ask us, what role played the Hanseatic history in German history? in the 19th century, and the beginning of the 20th century, and now. And by this, and I have also to say I was educated in regional history. And by this, you have to make all the time, all the things from Stone Edge to the, the morning newspaper, as my doctor father tried to say. And so it was not uncommon for me to combine medieval history and modern history. So. It's, it's near my heart and it's near my education and as a foreigner now in Denmark, I, th- I think it's, it's very fruitful to do this combination between two different worlds.
0: I think it's really interesting how your um, geographical shift, um, how you crossing the sea also led to a different historical perspective in a way. We should add that Carsten did his undergrad in Kiel, which is a city at the Baltic Sea in the northern part of Germany. Um, and I really liked about your lecture that you you in a way you talk about historians constructing history. <laughs> so it's a very sort of... It made me really self-conscious and probably also other people in the room about, you know, how we write history in the first place. And so I wondered whether that research project also made you more self-conscious about your own research and your own writing.
2: Absolutely. In that moment when you come out of your own environment, you can see things from the outside. And by this, you're, you're setting uh, question marks after all the things you believed before, at, at least you should. And I was in the moment I'm questioning everything, that's not sound, I have to say, <laughs> but um, it's it's driving a new kind of research because we have to make a differentiation between neutral historical research a la ranke, which we are supposed to, to do. And our political understandings, environments, our social behavior and so on, which is forming our research much more than we can see on the first view. So I think it's important to be an outsider, to get an understanding about history. I can see this with my Danish colleagues who take things for given, which I, I will set a huge question mark, often say, okay, why is this? How can you say that? Why? Or because what is important with this or not with that and so on. And now I'm 20 years outside Germany. So I'm also a foreigner in German or in Germany. And so uh, I'm in foreign on all sides. You get lonely on the one hand, but on the other side, you get an own position. I will not say a neutral position, but a, a, a fruitful outside precision.
0: Yeah, I think many of us at the GHIL, who are originally from Germany, we can absolutely relate to that. And yeah, so it's really interesting how you flesh out the the present meaning of, of history and how it's actually not neutral, but always informed by what's going on in the surrounds in the here and now, which I think leads to
1: Kim's questions. Yes, yeah, so I was wondering, um, if you look at different countries or looking at people coming from different countries and how they kind of um, create a historical understanding or continuity or discontinuity, how is your own connection to Great Britain? And how would you say does the British understanding of German history and in particular of the Hanse, if there is one, um, differ from the one that maybe Germany has of it?
2: the british has seen the Hansa all from the outside as a huge concurrence and we have this very famous quotation from a, a british ambassador calling the Hansa a crocodile the best year um, the, the best year you cannot see but that can bite and coming from the german tradition from the 1920s and 30s we have seen the british as the huge concurrence the huge enemies, economical enemies and the huge sea power enemies of the Germans. And now, as an outsider I can see, or will say okay, they're not only enemies, they never have been the enemy or the enemies, there, there can be also cooperation. The colonial merchants, for example, has a huge cooperation with the London merchants all the time. And it's our viewpoint that, that made one side of the coin stronger than the other. And what we can see is that uh, Northern Europe was one economical network. So London is also the harbor for Copenhagen. London is the harbor for Gdansk in Poland. And by this, the British are not so peculiar. They have the better documents. I have to say the, the British archives are outstanding, but they are part of a network in Northern Europe, which connected them to the rest of the world and the rest of the world to them. So I will say we shall come out from this nationalistic corner we have been in long time, and shall come to a new era of understanding the huge problem in this is that most of the Hanseatic research isn't German and as you know very few of your British colleagues are reading German so many of the opinions in in British research are outdated because they they couldn't follow the news development in Germany and the Germans are not so good in reading English, you know this too and so we have a problem in understanding
1: each other, lingual problem at least. So, what would you say is something that um, the listeners of your lecture can take away from your viewpoint of how people remember history and specifically the Hansa, but also perhaps looking towards today, our position within the world and specifically within Europe?
2: Be aware of that: historical writing is propaganda all the time, and historical writing must be seen in the framework of social and political developments at their time. And be aware of easy arguments. The one, that one, and so on. History is never easy. Heften, history is never white and black. History comes in very, very many colors. So the main point I will make is the understanding of the hansen history shall not be seen on the framework of the 1900s and beginning of the 20th century's politics, sea power, struggle of power in Europe and so on. It shall be seen on the framework of of medieval economic history. And then we will get a totally different picture.
1: Perfect, thank you so much for taking the time for this interview. Um, It was very fascinating to get an insight into the background of your research. And we do hope that our podcast listeners will also enjoy listening to your lecture as much as we did.
2: It is a pleasure. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to the German Historical Institute London podcast. Follow us on social media and check our website to keep up to date with new episodes.